Everyone to the Hanji Hello podcast with me, Rackstar, episode number two. I just want to say that I did record an episode um, over a week ago, and due to some technical <laughs> problems, the audio didn't get recorded. So unfortunately, that one didn't get released, and I got a bit disheartened about that. So I kind of needed to take a little break before I recorded this episode again because I felt like that whole episode is like you know a lost episode now um this week i'm going to be talking about uh writer's block um and this can kind of applies to any kind of creative block a lot of people um experience it experience writer's block not just yeah writers and creative blocks people that are creative artistic blocks or just general blocks in life like you kind of get to a point where you feel you've hit a dead end or you've depleted all of your energy into something, a project, um, even relationships, anything. Like you feel like you've done all you can or there's nothing else left that you can do in a particular field or assignment or project. Or you're stuck in the middle of it and you need to figure out how you're going to finish it. Um, With me, so I'm going to be talking about writer's block, but obviously this applies to any kind of block that I've literally just discussed um sorry literally just uh mentioned but yeah writer's block for me um there's there's two ways of i think um dealing with writer's block and i mean the first the first real thing for me for dealing with writer's block is um I feel like I've, I feel like you have a certain level of um, creativity and your creativity is constantly being recharged and then depleted and then recharged and depleted. And you have to feed that creativity. So for me, I'll have a writer's block when I want to work on something, but I've got no much no more creative energy within me and is depleted because I've it's, it's expunged. I've used it all and I need to recharge. And the way that you recharge for me, the way I recharge is by stimulating my creativity. And the number one thing that you can do to stimulate your creativity and your imagination is reading. There was a interview I read uh, by Chris Rock and he talks about, I think he was talking about um, filmmaking when he was editing a film or creating a film or writing a film. I think that's what he was talking about. He's always reading at least three different books. This was years ago that I read this and I just thought that was fascinating because you hear some artists and they, they feel like they can't do, they can't, expose themselves to other music or other writers or other sort of media because they don't want to be influenced by it. But what Chris Rock said is that he's reading at least three different books while he's doing, while he's working on a film. 
And I thought to myself, that's fascinating. So I started implementing that into my own um, routine. And it's a weird thing because I always feel like I don't read enough. And then like, I'll look at my bookshelf. I did this a couple of weeks ago. I looked at my bookshelf. I was like, I haven't read a book for ages. I don't know, you know, I haven't been really doing a lot of reading. And then I looked at my bookshelf and there's like a bunch of books. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I read that book. I read that book. I read that book. I have like two separate sections. One section's books to read, which is massive. Like that section is so, <laughs> it's got, I've got like, like 20, 30 books to read. And then I've got a section, when I've read it, I put it in the other section. And the other section's not as big. Well, it doesn't feel as big. Although I have got books that I read and then I gave, I give books away as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, I do, I do read books. Anyway, that's going off on a tangent. The reason why reading, I feel, is so important is because it ignites a part of your brain which is linked to your imagination. So to spark creativity, you know, people listen to music, they can watch movies, um, you know, to, to feed this creative energy. But when you're reading, you're looking at words on a page. All you're doing is looking at the words on a page and you're creating images related to these words in your head. Your brain is, you're, you're triggering a part of your brain to create images, uh, you know, sceneries, characters, uh, accents, what someone looks like, all this stuff. Your brain is creating all of this stuff because you, you're just, you, the writer is igniting your imagination with their words. That's why I think reading is such an important part of um, refueling that creative energy because sometimes that part of your brain is just dormant or if it's if it's like I was saying it's regenerated like it's a regenerative energy so if you've depleted one part of your your um, if you've depleted a part of your energy which expresses creativity there needs to be a part that inputs you need to let that part grow and and reading is is fundamental for that i particularly like um reading so chris rock was saying that he reads three different types of books he was reading like a biography of someone um and then he was reading a fiction and then he was reading something else i can't remember for me i love reading um fiction i had to think about that not non-fiction is real life stories and then fiction is made up stuff. So fiction, I love reading crime. <laughs> yeah, I love reading like crime, like mystery kind of crime books. Uh, I think it's Gillian Flynn. She had a book called Sharp Objects that I really like. She wrote Gone Girl as well. Uh, Sharp Objects, Objects was a good book. Dark Places, I think, was another one of her books. That was a good book. I didn't actually read Gone Girl because I watched the film and I thought it was so good. And I'm sure someone's going to tell me that I should read the book as well. But I'm not going to because I think the film was so good <laughs> and if I've seen a media, if I've seen a film, I'd, I wouldn't go back and read the book. Even, yeah, I've, if I've read a book, I'll watch a film, but I wouldn't do it the other way around. Um, yeah, so I love, there's a, there's a writer called Tana French who wrote these books about these Irish, uh, it's called the Dublin Murder Squad and they solve murders in um, in Dublin. 
and the first book in her series is called Into the Woods. It's an amazing book. Um, I remember reading it and I couldn't put it down. I think I read it in like you know, a couple of days. Such a, such a good book. So after I read that book, I read through, I got through about four of her books. She's got like a series, I think there's like six or seven of those books. And I read like three or four of them. And I need to read the rest. The others, the ones that I got to, I think I got to The Secret Place. They weren't as engaging as the the first two or three books. But I will I will hopefully finish that series. Um, biographies as well. I, Russell Brand's books, they're such silly titles. I think his, his first book is called My Bookie Book. And there's My Bookie Book too. Such a silly title. When I first saw that title, I was like, why would I... Who's going to read this book? Apparently it was some... He had some contests where people could name his book and they decided that name for him. So he had to go with it. And it's basically his 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 story of growing up, his life uh, growing up in, um, in England, um, his struggles with addiction. Um, and then his second book, I think, is is more about after he became successful and how he navigated that. It's a really, really good book. Both of those books are really good books. Um, this has turned into like Rackstar's book club. <laughs> um, but yeah, reading. So reading is important. I don't know how many times I've said that now. But a bunch of different different books you can read to ignite your imagination. Absorb them and that will refuel your imagination and get your creativity flowing again. The other thing is living life. So I got to a point where I was at home, probably similar to how this whole lockdown situation, where I couldn't really do much. So what happened was I decided, I was, I think I was reading about Tupac and Machiavelli and like how he wrote the, you know, seven day theory album in like, you know, five days. It's called seven day theory because apparently that album was supposed to be done, supposed to have been done within seven days. But if you read and look into it, Tupac kind of recorded all his stuff in like four days, I think, three or four days. He did all his writing and recording and then the rest was the mixing and mastering process. So I was like, you know what? If Tupac can write all that great material in such a short amount of time, I should be able to, I should be able to write one song a day. So I gave myself that task. I was like, right, you're going to write one song a day. And it got to a point where I'd just wake up, I'd eat something, I'd just come sit in the studio and I'd just have a beat on and I would just be banging my head against a brick wall trying to write something or I'd write something. I remember I wrote some songs during that time, but I look back at them and they would, there's no soul in them. There's no, there's no, there's nothing in them. They're just, it's just words. And what I realized was I wasn't living life. Those those songs were kind of clinical because I wasn't living life. Tupac was writing all of this, all these songs, all this material in that period of time because he had so much going on. He was like living life to the maximum. He had so much going on, um, a lot of crazy stuff going on, a lot of disagreements with people, bad energy, meeting people, going out, record, you know, filming movies. Like he had so much going on. And in between, I suppose he was he had so much energy and creativity that he had to be released. So he would put that in his music. I mean, coupled with the fact that he had a belief that he wasn't going to be here for long. But I mean, trying to relate that to me, like 
trying to write a song a day. If you're not doing anything, if you're not living life, what are you going to write a song about? Well, you're literally just, it's just going to be about nothing. It's, I'm not going to write a song about waking up and sitting in the studio. You know, I rate some artists because they can literally come up with things like that. They just have an abundance of this. Um, you know what? It's not only that. It, it, it comes down to how long you've been doing it as well. I think when you're at the beginning, at the beginning, because it's such a new thing, writing songs and lyrics and all this kind of stuff, there's so much that you want to say. And in youth, you have a lot of arrogance in the fact that you think that you know everything. Whereas for me, the older I've got, the less I feel like I know it on a more spiritual level, the less I feel like I know. So the more I'm open to receiving information rather than espousing this is what you should do and this is how it should be. Um, but either way, you you know, there are certain people that can come up with this, come up with anything like, at the drop of a hat they have an abundance of this energy but for me I have to I have to live life for me like traveling going to shows doing all this stuff is just valuable to me so when I do get in the studio I feel like energized and I'm ready to kind of talk about something and have meaningful things to say in my music so I mean those are two two things that I think are really really important if you're experiencing writer's block, creative blocks, reading and living life. Now, the third thing that I'm going to talk about uh, similarly to do with this thing is being lazy. So the first two solutions that I've given are to do with legitimate writer's block. That's legitimate feeling depleted, don't know what to talk about, don't know what to write about, da 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 there's a certain level of, actually, you know what? It's not even that. Everyone, our innate nature is to do as little as possible and try and have the least resistance to whatever path we're going down. Because innately, we're all, I'm going to say like 99%, we're all lazy you would rather not, I mean, creative work specifically, everything in your whole being tells you not to do it. Bro, don't, you know, don't go, what's the point of writing a song? Bro, watch a film, watch this latest series on Netflix, answer that phone call, scroll on your Instagram for three hours. Oh, it's time to eat something, make some food, go on here, do that, procrastinate. It's constant, constant procrastination. And our lives are designed in a way that we are, everything is easy for us to access. So many distractions are at the, our fingertips. So the third point I want to make, and that leads into this other book, another book um, by um, Stephen Pressfield. The book is called The War of Art. And it basically says all these things. I read it uh, quite a few years ago, big up humble the poet for this one because he actually sent me that book and shared it with me and since then I think I bought like I bought like a bunch of copies and I remember I've given them out to people because it's so invaluable I really recommend you guys read that book basically it says I mean the war of art so it is making art is a war basically and it's a war with yourself because you are constantly trying every part of you is trying to get you to not do your art 
not do what you feel like, well, to not make your art, basically, to not do that. And so the point is, you have to force yourself. There are times when I, you know, I'll just make an excuse and we're always making excuses. And in The War of Art, Stephen Prestel says, even if you write one line, even if you move like an inch towards your, like you switch on the computer, you write one line, you're, you're winning that war then. You're slowly, you know, pushing yourself towards doing something when everything else is telling you to do the opposite. So The War of Art, I think, is a phenomenal book and it is literally just telling you to, you need to to be forced to do things. I've had projects where, I used to do this at school and at uni as well, not necessarily, probably less so school, more, more college and university. I used to leave everything to the last minute, literally, if I had an exam, I would not, like, revised till the very very like even the morning of the exam I'd be revising or just going through things and because of that I've got into a I mean that's just my headspace when dealing with certain things so when I have deadlines for example I might have a a song that I need to write and it needs to be I need to send my verse by Thursday for example Wednesday Tuesday, Monday, Tuesday, I'll be like, yeah, yeah, I need to do this, need to do this. And then Wednesday night, I will be in the studio. And because I have a deadline, I'll be like, I need to get this done tonight. And because I have that pressure to do it, it will get done. And that's not a good habit to have. I mean, I, I try and push through that sometimes. But generally speaking, the, the point is I have to force myself. I need to have a deadline. I need to get this done. And if you give yourself those things, th- that, that, um, pressure to get things done because sometimes it's that sometimes it's not writer's block you're just being lazy and you're making excuses so that's the that's the last part of it that I would say for writer's block for these situations identify what it is is it actually writer's block are you making excuses what is the reason for you not doing the work or not getting on with what you feel like is your is your version of your art. Why aren't you doing that? Identify that and then hopefully one of these kind of three things can be of benefit to you. For me, it's been for the past, um, I would say, it's been a mixture of all of those things in in the past like six months. There's been, it's been a mixture of all of those things that I've had to kind of process and deal with. And you have to kind of, know what to identify like how to identify what is the problem what is your issue basically because being locked you know being in lockdown sitting at home like people I've spoken to other artists as well it's like everyone expected people to be making a bunch of different music and having like you know five six albums to done and blah 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 but about what we literally have nothing going on. There's a lot of shit going on in the world. There's a lot of things, emotions and things that we're trying to process, which you can do through music, but there's no balance. I remember people saying that about um, 
I mean, Tupac again. You know what? They they said it to him about in prison. They're like, he's in prison. He's gonna when he was locked up. They goes in prison. He's gonna come out. He's gonna have like albums and albums or like music done. And I'm sure it was Tupac. Tupac. I think he wrote a screenplay in prison, but he didn't write any music. I'm sure it was him. Unless I'm thinking of, I'm trying to think. I'm sure it was Tupac. He didn't write any songs while he was in prison. But as soon as he got out, literally the day he got out of prison, you know, out on bail for a shot of jip, you know, he was writing songs. And that's the point I'm making. Your your surroundings, your life, your it's a balance of everything, which is what gives you your creativity. Um, so there's no story this week because I've got a bunch. Thank you, everyone who emailed me. Um, asking for advice. I've got so many emails. I'm going to try and do um, two or three per episode. So I'm going to be going through a couple of them now. And um, there was a there was a bunch. A lot of them. A lot of them are are um, you know. I've, there's so many nice things as well. People sent me. So thank you, everyone who has emailed me. I did. Um, receive a really a bunch of really really nice emails or not necessarily questions or advice stuff but just really nice feedback about the podcast so I appreciate that thank you so um, the first one I'm gonna go through is this one let's get into it uh, hey Rax I'm a big fan uh, wanted your advice on this situation for the longest time it's long but I'll try my best to summarize Basically, around four years ago, I met this guy. I immediately felt a strong connection to him. I literally felt like I'd known him forever, and I'd never ever felt like that with anybody. He was compelling, and I just felt so comfortable with him. We started talking every day. This kind of was an online thing at this point, which is even crazier because I never reply to DMs from people. That's all right. Uh, but anyway, that turned into texting all day to four-hour phone calls to eight-hour daily FaceTimes. I could feel myself catching feelings, but because of the distance of almost 5,000 miles, I knew I had to suppress them until one day, until one day, only around three months in, he confessed that he was also catching feelings and asked me if he spoke to his parents, would I marry him? But you guys haven't met. Um, I was very practical and I said, obviously, we'd have to meet in person first and see how things... See, this is a smart person. Well done. Um, <laughs> we have to meet in person first and see how things went. Of course, you have to meet the person in real life, see if you have that same connection, that same energy. It could be a catfish as well. Uh, anyway, I had a trip planned to the place where he lives and it had been 11 months since we started speaking every day. We decided to meet. He met me at the airport and everything was perfect. My gut instinct told me this is the one. This is the man you're going to marry. Wow. Uh, we spent every day together for the month. I was there and grew super close. I'd never been happy and realized I'd fell in love, but I never admitted this, even though all my friends and family realized long before I had. They always do, don't they? Um, leaving was the worst, but things continued and eventually he spoke to his parents about me seriously. They already knew where he was when he was with me, but they didn't know details about anything or that I was even a female. Okay. His mum didn't seem too bothered, but his dad was having none of it. Uh, he said he could only marry a Hindu girl who was of the same caste and culture. I'm white British. Anyway, we continued talking all the time 
and I tried to kill my feelings because I kind of knew he wouldn't go against his dad, even though I did have hope he could persuade him. He didn't help things though, because while I was trying to kill my feelings, he kept telling me he loved me, etc. Mm, that's not fair, man. Uh, long story short, I tried to convince him, asked to meet his parents, as I was sure we could make it work once they realised how happy we'd be. He did try, but I don't feel he tried enough. Fast forward to 2019, he eventually gave in to his parents' pressure and married someone of his dad's choice. Oh, man. We stopped speaking a few months before that because we both knew how hard it would be, but I still find myself struggling to cope with the whole situation at times. I do genuinely, genuinely feel that he was honest about his feelings for me and I'm worried that I won't feel that way with any other man. You will. I promise you, you will. Um, I also miss just having him as a friend and the bond we had. This whole thing lasted a few years and we did meet every few months throughout. I was a lot more, it was a lot more complex than what I've written, but yeah, I'm 24 now and he'd be 29. I don't know if that makes any difference. I guess what I'm asking is just any advice around this in general, because it really hurts at times and I do trust your words. Your music has helped me through a lot. Oh, that's a nice message at the end. Listen, okay, listen. Heartbreaks teach you a lot and they teach you so much about yourself. You've probably learned more about yourself going through this whole situation than anything else that you've been through in your life it is shit like i said this last week as well to 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 the to the guy who asked about wasn't last week it was last <laughs> it was a couple of weeks ago but i mean in the sh like not to sound corny or nothing but in the shit that's where that's where things grow things grow from there you have to be broken down a lot of this stuff is to do with ego going through heartbreak breaks you down to such a fundamental level that you have to build yourself back up and you get to choose how you build yourself back up you can choose to be bitter you can choose to be angry you can choose to shut yourself off and cut yourself off from the whole world or you can see this as this was this was me experiencing love and not everyone gets to experience love in their life. A lot of people go through love, go through life searching for love. Now, if you found it once, what makes you think you can't find it again? You can. And this time it will be better because you're a better version of yourself because of what you've been through. He's married now. He's getting on with his life. That's you, you know, you've let that go and you've had, you have to leave that emotionally as well. You have to let it go and let him be who he is with his new wife and you will find someone and you will be even happier because you have the capacity to love and you deserve that same love as well from your partner so you know work the same thing that i was saying as well last time don't look at this as the one great heartbreak of your life Look at it as an experience that you had to go through to, be to become this version, to become a better version of yourself. Because you're, it just shows you that, that's, that you're able to love and you're able to receive love. A long distance relationship is really hard and you made it work, which shows me that you're, you would make you would try your hardest to make something work so imagine you met someone who would reciprocate that energy and you will meet someone who reciprocate will reciprocate that energy because 
you know, like attracts like. So you you keep putting that same energy out. Heal yourself. Spend time to to heal. Feel all that shit stuff. Process all of that shit feeling. If you have, this is a really good um, practice that I learned um, a couple of years ago. And sometimes when we go through experiences like this, we don't we don't get to say everything that we wanted to say. Like you might have had certain things that were left unsaid or whatever it is. And it's there's no point contacting that person to say those things. Sometimes there are, I mean, I've done this as well, but sometimes you will have such an urge to contact someone because of things left unsaid. But I would encourage you to write that stuff down write it down journal it or put it in a letter and then burn it because most of the time what drives us wild or drive not drives us wild but what kind of fuels this these thoughts of heartbreak and negativity and all this kind of stuff what fuels it is not being able to express to that person what it is or what it was or ha having that need that they need to understand why you're hurt or why you're upset or what you wish would have happened but telling them isn't going to change anything so write that down if you have to in a letter and burn it for me it's I, I'll put it in a song it's interesting because when I put it in a song it's kind of like expunged from me and I think people that listen, for me as well, listening to songs helps as well because it feels like having someone express how I feel makes me feel like, it makes me feel better. And people have told me that about my songs as well. They have that same kind of effect. Um, but for me, like when I put it in a song, once it's written down, recorded and put into a song, I've dealt with it and I've kind of processed it. And it's no longer a burden to me. So for me, it's through music. And I would say if, if you don't do music or you don't do anything like that, I mean, it's still writing it down, but it doesn't have to, it doesn't have to rhyme. It doesn't have to whatever I do. You just need to put your feelings and thoughts onto paper, just putting it onto paper and not, don't put it on your phone. Don't type it up in a note on your phone and then press delete. It's not the same. You have to get a pen and a paper or a pencil and a paper, write it down, express it. Just that physical act of putting it down onto paper, it has a, has a psychological effect on you and it feels like you've got it out of your system. So yeah, I mean, I would recommend you do that and trust me, you will meet someone, you will find someone, you will be happy you're 20 what 24 that's trust me after you hit 27 28 that's when life kind of gets good because you know yourself to be honest you sound very mature anyway but you know ask anyone who's a little bit older i don't mean to say say that in a condescending way either or a patronizing way your however you feel is valid at whatever age you are but just just from someone who's been through things and a little bit older than you, not a little bit, quite a bit older, <clears throat> believe me, life does get better. There, There is a lot that, that you have still yet to experience. And 
it's a constant learning process. So don't see this as some sort of be all end all life is never going to be as good as it was because it will get better. And it, and I wish you all the best. And I'm sending you lots of love. Um, okay. So that's that one. I'm going to try and do two more. What are we on? 32 minutes. Okay, cool. I'm going to try and do two more. Um, okay. Okay. So next one. Uh, I'm hey Rax. Hey Rax, I'm calling upon you for some advice. Over the years, I've been able to you've been able to get me through difficult times through your lyrics, from undercover to the glass ceiling. Right now, I feel I'm at a crossroads in my life, and I've no idea which way to turn. Six years ago, I met someone, but he left me feeling like I had very little value, and wasn't worthy of his time. I ended things because of these reasons. No matter how hopeless I felt, it was better than what I was feeling when. Again, I was at the bottom of his priority list. Now, five years on, after everything has been said and done, he has returned and is asking for forgiveness for how he treated me. He himself has now been hurt, and I think he realises how much it hurt. I've moved on with my life. I've learnt to leave the past in the past, water under the bridge. We were young and stupid and make bad choices. Since he returned, we have been talking every day, and things seem to be heading back to a point we could potentially be happy. However, there's a spanner in the works. His dad has said no girls, no dating, just focus on you and your business. So we are a secret. I have no idea if I'm making the right choice. Am I just sat wasting my time with a boy who can't stand up to his dad? Thank you for always keeping me motivated and giving me strength to carry on when it feels so bleak at points. And then she says, don't share my name. Okay, cool. You, all right, this one's really, really simple. You need an ultimatum. If you, if you, if you want him to take you seriously and you want his dad to know about you guys, that's what you need to tell him. And if he doesn't do it or won't do it, just call it a day. You've spent however long that you spent with him previously, you know, he might have leveled up. He might have improved. He might have, you know, changed and become a better version of himself. That's fine. But you need to say to him, right, that's all good. But if you're not going to tell your dad about us, it's over. Simple as that. You have to. Because otherwise what? You spend another two, three years. He tells his dad, you know, similar to the situ- situation previously. Imagine he tells his dad and his dad says, no, you know, this, you can't get married to that girl. And imagine he says, rather than sticking up for you, he says, all right, cool. Then what? You've wasted another like two or three years of your life. Just get it out in the open now. Just put it on him. Say, look. This is how I feel. Respect it. If he's leveled up like you're saying, he will respect that and he will tell his dad. And if his dad says no, da 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 da, at least you know where you stand. Because then he can't, he, he has two choices then. He either listens to his dad and says, all right, cool. Or like the previous guy did, or he says, okay, but I really like this girl and she's the one. Then it's in, you know, and to be honest, like, that's more about you learning what kind of person he is rather than you trying to be in control of the situation. Just express yourself, be very succinct. Uh, you don't need to say it in an arseholy way, like tell him or it's over. <laughs> like it's literally just say, look, we've been through a lot. I would prefer to know that this is leading somewhere. If you don't tell your dad, then I can, you know, it's quite obvious that this 
probably isn't going to go anywhere. And I don't want to sit around. I don't know what your ages are. You haven't told me your ages. I'm guessing you guys are in your 20s. Um, but yeah, if his dad is saying no girls, just focus on you and your business. And that's not bad advice. But if you want something serious, like you at least need to know that there isn't going to be an issue in the long term. So yeah, I hope things work out. Do tell him that though. I would definitely kind of put it on him and say, this is what I need to know before we take anything further. Know exactly where you stand. Okay, I'm going to try and get one more in. Yeah, we've got time for one more. Okay. Title says, require agony uncle Raxus. So what shall I name this section of the of the podcast, by the way? I'm trying to, I've been trying to think like agony uncle Rax. Or I don't know. I'm sure you guys are smart. So, you know, email me or 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 um yeah, email me or leave a comment on Instagram uh, at Hanji Hello Podcast and just give me an idea of what I could maybe call this section of the podcast. Okay. Hi, Rax. Hope you're well, happy and healthy. I hope you are too. I want to start by saying thank you for creating a platform for your fans to get advice from you. That's okay. I watch your podcast and it was calming to listen to. Okay. That's all nice things that you guys don't need to hear me reading, but cool. I need your help. Last year, I was sharing an apartment with my best friend. We both do the same course at the same uni and have similar interests. So we got on like a house on fire. Awesome. At that point, I had been in an on and off relationship with a boy who I was deeply in love with. It's messy when it's on and off, isn't it? Uh, everything was fine until February when he decided to cheat on me with a girl who was also at the same uni in the same year as us and doing the same course as us. So seeing it every day was inevitable. Bloody hell. Almost everyone in my year on my course knew about this, including my best friend who saw me cry every single day until we had to go to, until we had to go home because of lockdown. Oh man, I'm sorry to hear this. That's not nice. A few months later, I decided to create a Finsta as a joke. I only learned about this recently. Finsta, it was fake Insta. <laughs> I was like, well, I used to see it sometimes. Be like, what's a Finster? Okay, cool. I decided to create a Finster as a joke and followed all of my close friends on it. When I saw that the same best friend that I shared my flat with follows the girl that my boyfriend at the time cheated on me with. Jeez. I decided to confront her about it and her exact reply was, nah, I'm not siding with the op. Where are you like chat, man? Nah, I'm not... <laughs> <laughs> nah, I'm not siding with the op. I just don't think it was completely her fault. I'm guessing how that's how she said it. Translation, nah, I'm not taking the side of this girl, your enemy. Uh, anyway, and continues to follow her on Instagram and like and comment on her posts to this day. Bearing in mind she was never friends with her or never spoke to her. That hurt me a lot, but I don't know where I went wrong. When she had issues with her boyfriend, I always took her side. I confronted him and called him out on his BS multiple times, whereas she never did the same for me. She hated my boyfriend, and then all of a sudden she's best friends with the girl he cheated on me with. Okay, you're, you're, like, I'm, I'm looking at this objectively. You're making a lot of assumptions there. I'm going to come back to that in a sec. Let me finish reading. Now, every time my best friend and I go out, we do have a good time, but the fact that she's thought to be friends with the cheating asset just breaks my heart and I just want to block her and everything and never see her again. Do you think I should end the friendship, confront her again, or just try not to let it affect me? I appreciate your help, sending you lots of love. Okay, look, 
Your issue is with the guy. This guy was your boyfriend and he cheated on you. Now I know it hurts and he betrayed your trust. That girl, I don't know, you haven't said it here, but did I don't know if that girl knew he was in a relationship with you. If she did know, then that's snaky. If she didn't know, if your boyfriend lied to her and said, I'm single, and she didn't know that he was in a relationship with you, that's the guy's fault. That's his fault. And all of your anger and whatever issues that you have with this girl should not be directed towards this girl. It should be directed towards him. Your friend, so, I mean, that's 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 the first thing. So I don't know which you haven't said what's what here um you know she had issues with her boyfriend it always took her side taking her side is is fine she hasn't not taken your side as far as you said when it comes to your boyfriend or your ex-boyfriend she hasn't she's not following him she's not liking his guy like your issue is with him not with the girl who he cheated on unless that girl knew that you guys were in a relationship and knowing that she still went ahead and did whatever she did. But even then, like, it's still the guy's fault. Like, it's not, it's not that girl's fault. If you if it was your best friend that cheated with your boyfriend, that's someone that you've got a relationship with. If some random girl cheats on your boyfriend, cheats on well, if your random girl sleeps with your boyfriend, that's your boyfriend's fault, isn't it? Like. You shouldn't be shouldn't be fighting with that girl. Your issue is not with that girl. This this you know what this comes down to. This comes down to um, being territorial and also um, I know what it is. You're you're hurting because a part of you is like why you feel inadequate because and it's this is unwarranted. You shouldn't feel inadequate because this is nothing to do with you. But you have, like, when someone gets cheated on, the person that your partner cheated on you with, a part of you is like, why her? What did she, what has she got that I haven't got? There must have been something about her that he liked more than me for him to cheat on me with her. So you're looking at yourself from a point of lacking when it's nothing to do with that. This girl's not, this girl's not better than you. This girl's not got something more than you she's not prettier than you all this stuff is she it's none of that so take that out of your head for starters it's to do with the guy and you guys are at uni this is um again i'm not being condescending when i say this like these relationships that you go through when you're younger just teach you about things about life and what you sh should expect and shouldn't expect and what you'll put up with and won't put up with in the future in your relationships so just look at it as a lesson um as far as your friend goes um i can see her point she's you know i i get where you're coming from but you're 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 misplacing your your hurt your anger and your you know your frustration, you're misplacing it. I would say to you, if your friend, if your friend, uh, tell your friend how you feel. Tell her, say, look, it upsets me that you're liking her pictures and 
you know, you're commenting on her stuff, like it upsets me. And just tell her why it upsets you. From what I've gathered, it upsets you because you feel like there's something about this girl that's lacking within you or that you're, you've got, just, just look at it a little bit deeper. Why is, why does that hurt you more? Why is that an issue? Especially if that girl, you didn't know her. And then explain that to your friend say, look, it feels like this because of my friend, because, because of that girl, it, it makes me feel like this. It, you know, I feel insecure in myself or I feel like it triggers those emotions again. And, all this kind of stuff. And I'm sure your friend, if she is a true friend to you, she will understand that. And she will say to you, okay, look, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to, I don't want you to feel like that. And you guys can work at it. I wouldn't, you know, you guys get on, you, you've got so much in common. You're on the same course. I wouldn't say that you're throw away this friendship over this. You just need to be open and honest with her. And it does boil down to the fact that if that girl knew or if she didn't know that your guy was in a relationship with you, but even then your issue is not with that girl. It's with, it's with your, your ex-boyfriend who's, you know, just not worth your time and effort and, and emotion. I would, I would give you similar advice to, 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 um, the first uh, letter that I received, first email that I received, look how old I am talking about letters, <laughs> first email that I received, um, just write it out, whatever you've got to say, especially to him, I would not bother getting in touch with him and talking to him and not saying anything to him, you're wasting your time, when someone does that to you, they've already shown you how much respect they have for you, which is none, so if you've got anything to say, however you feel, write it down, burn the letter, if this girl is a, is a, Un, unknowing party in this whole situation then she's not guilty of anything and doesn't deserve to be to be uh, hated by you no matter how difficult that is she's not your enemy um okay and i hope you, you can talk it out with your friend and just tell her exactly how you feel and why you feel that way and it, it may be it may be down to you just kind of you might have to firm this one you get me I know she's not the op and that. Anyway, look, I would just say to you, yeah, talk to her. You guys will you guys will work this out, man. Good friends always do end up working things out. Okay, cool, guys. This one went on even longer than the last episode, but I hope you enjoyed it. Hanji Hello Podcast. If you want to ask me anything, um, need advice, then the email is hanjihellopodcast at gmail.com. And... Uh, follow follow the podcast on spotify and wherever you're listening to it now like leave a nice review share it with your friends uh, follow me on instagram uh, at hanji hello podcast and uh, i'll see you guys next time bye like this